Hey, Simple Passive Cash listeners. Today, you're going to be hearing a pretty good interview that somebody had did on me. And just something that's been going on in my life is looking for purpose, financially free, so early, like many of you, you start to ask the question after when is enough and quitting your job. That's always a big problem. It's probably the next topic we're going to be talking about in our family office, Ohana Mastermind Group, which you guys can learn more about at simplepassivecashflow.com slash journey. But you know, once you've pulled anchor, burned the boats, and you've got FI, and you're living off your passive cash flow stream, and things are coming easy, right? Time is more valuable than money at that point. You start to start to spend money on, on time, and you start to ask, what is the meaning to all this? From one perspective, you got Maslow's hierarchy of need, trying to get whatever's at the top of that, which is typically growth or helping back to other people's. But really, what is it that's making you happy? And I've been working, I've hired a life coach, and we're working on this every single week. And I'm hoping to bring a lot of the lessons that I'm seeing and getting from myself to you guys, especially to my inner circle out there. Um, I'm definitely not going to turn this podcast into a woo-woo, kind of woogity-boogie type of podcast where we talk about mindset all the time. But it's definitely going to be interjected there. And from what I see, if you know where you're going, you can do the straight line to get there, as opposed to I feel like I've taken a very circuitous road to get here, even though it's been maybe about a 10, 15 year journey. For example, I probably wouldn't have bought as many single family homes, maybe just bought a handful and then gone off to the syndications and private placements quicker. And maybe who knows where I would be today. But this is really like the next level, right? What is simple passive cash flow supposed to do? It's supposed to get people financially free to get what they want, to get the design, the lifestyle that they want. And this is where it finally comes in this piece where, you know, fulfillment, what is happy, what is, and happy is different for everybody. Everybody has a little bit of a narrative. Kind of what we're unpacking going through these sessions, which is like therapy, but little bit more of a mission standpoint. I see myself as a little bit of Robin Hood here, where stealing from the rich, um, giving to the poor, but instead of I see stealing from like the big Wall Street company, which kind of duped everybody into putting your money blindly in this type of stuff, where you're going to have to work for 30, 40 years, where I've kind of seen and proven myself that you can get there in five to 10 years or less by prudently investing in cash flowing value add type of projects. Now, what they also, the, the Robin Hood analogy also goes sideways because it's not like I give the money to the poor. The poor are what, what I see or the victims of this is you, the working, shrinking middle class, the people who are making a hundred, few hundred thousand dollars a year. You know, you, you're still living paycheck to paycheck and you're paying the most taxes out of everybody. It's not the wealthy. It's not the, the people who have already gone to the tax page at simplepassivecashflow.com slash tax and read up there and already churning passive activity losses, doing rep status. That's what the wealthy do, but that's not what you, the middle class are doing. And it's also not the poor people who are paying their fair share of the taxes. It's you out there. And that's why to me, the way I've put things in my head is I'm Robin Hood, taking money off Wall Street, putting it into Main Street type of projects. And in the process, you guys pay less taxes and get the financial well-being. Because unfortunately, the way that the whole system is engineered, it's engineered to keep all you guys working because you guys are happen to be the most contributors to society, GDP. You guys are the ones drilling teeth, doing surgeries, building bridges, pushing a whole lot of important paper around. We need to keep you guys working. Or not me, not, I'm not saying that I'm trying to keep you guys working, but the society needs you to keep working to power 
the rest of humanity for. Now, you might want to call that some kind of conspiracy theory or maybe call me Robin Hood, but that's just something I'm unpacking for myself is the narrative. And everybody needs to find their own narrative out there. We'll talk about more of this in future podcasts. But today's podcast is surrounding a lot of this philosophy stuff, which is interesting to me. And so hopefully you guys will get some value out. If you haven't yet, join Investor Club, simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. And once you've done that, we do hook you guys up with a free complimentary strategy call, 15 minutes. And yeah, hope to reach out to talk to you guys soon and enjoy the show. This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hi, and thanks for joining us today on the Successes Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Portman. Joining me today is Lane, owner of 7,500 rental properties with over a billion dollars in assets at simplepassivecashflow.com. Thank you for joining us today, Lane. Hey, thanks for having me. Aloha, everybody. Absolutely. So let's start off with the the title of the, the podcast is Success Is. So what does success mean to you? Success to me is being able to have enough money. So money is a big thing for a lot of our folks. It's not everything, but it should make your life a lot easier and give you options. What does it allow you to do? To me, it gives you to the freedom to do what you want, where you want, with whom you want. You know, so you don't have to interact with people that you don't like or people at work that gives you problems. You, know, you work on your own terms and you get to tackle the hard problems in life. Of what do you do after you're financially free? What do you do after you're done trading your time? For- and do you have things that you pursue uh, now that you do have the financial freedom to do so that... You wouldn't have been able to in, in a normal traditional job. Yeah, today it's. Uh, I mean, I'm a little different than most folks, right? We just keep picking up apartment buildings after apartment buildings because I'm here to create generational wealth for myself and my family. And on the side product of doing the website and the podcast is that we teach people how to get financially free doing this and just dispelling a lot of the the stuff that misled misleads a lot of hardworking professionals out there myself and go to school study hard go get a good job invest in your 401k buy a house to live in pay down your debt and all that type of stuff that the Susie Orman Dave Ramsey advice doesn't necessarily apply to once you become you know financially responsible and getting to financial freedom yeah I love what you're talking about there because I think a lot of people have this mindset that you know that they're gonna enjoy their success later on in life. They're going to enjoy it in retirement. And this idea that we can save for our future and invest and that we'll be comfortable with just the money that we've squirreled away and saved is not true. More and more Americans are having to live below their means in retirement. And so what you help people do is is break that generational mindset and create wealth. Is that correct? It's correct. I think we live in an engineered society where everybody's taught to put your money into this stock market, Wall Street, marketable securities, or what I tell retail products. And I say it's retail because these big Wall Street companies are making a boatload off of your back out there. I got started early with this real estate, graduated college in 2007 with an engineering degree, went to work as a construction supervisor, which isn't the greatest of jobs in terms of quality of life. And I you know, followed this path of going to buy a house to live in because that's what everybody told me to do. Got off that beaten path by renting it out. And then I realized I'm making like 20, 30% plus returns on my money. 
why doesn't everybody do this? I'm going to just rinse, wash, repeat this, which I did. But then I discovered, yeah, there's a whole bunch of other passive real estate investors doing the same thing and being able to retire within five to 10 years doing that. And the thing is, it's really not that hard. And these secrets that the wealthy do that I kind of teach people today, it's not out of reach out of the average person. It's just buried by all the financial dogma that you know our parents teach us and that's proliferated through the uh, workforce culture, the cubicle culture. Are you a non-accredited investor looking for opportunities to invest passively? How about a new investor looking to get a bit of a track record and confidence from your skeptic spouse? And could you use the reinforcement of monthly checks paid like clockwork? The American Homeowner Preservation Fund, or AHP, is looking to bring new investors with them. I've been investing with them since 2016, and originally, I used it as a means to pay for my regular expenses. I started with $60,000 as my initial investment, and that paid for my car payment completely for me. AHP collaborates with existing homeowners to keep them in their homes by restructuring or selling the debts, unlike their competitors that just kick their homeowners out on the streets. It's a way to make great returns while feeling good about making a social impact. After investing myself in the fund, it was awesome when owner George Newberry saw the impact our simple passive cash flow monthly crew was making, approached me to become a spokesperson of the company. Invest as little as $100 by going to ahptitle.com. And if you want the free Burn Zone book, please claim it at simplepassivecashflow.com slash AHP. And if you haven't done yet, join our private investor club for more insider access. Go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. Absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit about your story, your background? How'd you get into building this empire today? And then what did your friends and family think about this? Were they pretty supportive along the way? Yeah, my parents don't really know what I do today. I just tell them I'm a real estate agent and they're just a little bit of upset because I'm not an engineer and I wasted all their college <laughs> sure. and stuff like that. But that's parents for your least minds. I walk this linear path, I call it, right? Go to school, study hard, get a good job. Uh, growing up, I grew up in a family where we're taught to be very frugal with our money. We don't go to a restaurant. We don't eat any soft drinks. Right? You got to pay for that stuff. We drink some water. No no frills type of stuff. That allowed me to save up my money pretty well from my day job. You know, I made almost six figures starting out. So I was able to save a big chunk of that to eventually go buy a house to live in, like I said. And I started to rent it out. And that was where I got a taste of cash flow, right? Where you put a tenant in one of your properties you get a property management company to deal with all your headaches, to deal with all the repairs, and then you just focus on your highest and best use. So for a lot of my clients, high-paid doctors, lawyers, engineers, entrepreneurs, our highest and best use is not screwing around with little rental properties, but to save our money to go buy more rental properties. And eventually, when you become more of an accredited investor, get out of rental properties because of the liability and the headaches and go to more sustainable passive investments such as syndications and private placements as an LP. But yeah, that was my claim of fame. I just saved my money pretty well. And from 2007 to 2015, I had 11 rentals. And then I started to buy apartment complexes. So over 7,500 rental properties today, I believe over 40 something apartments across the country. We invest for cash flow. I'm pretty passionate about it, obviously, because I've quit my day job and no longer work at that life where I'm trading time for money. So these properties that you purchase and maintain, they're all over the country then? They're not centralized? 
How do you run that as a business? Do you do a lot of traveling? I don't right now. I got a young trying to stay at home with the pandemic and everything. We hire professional property management to be at the properties. Uh, this is why we focus on 100 unit properties and above. When you have about 60 units and above, you can justify having a full time person at the leasing office at all times. But where you really get good economies of scales up over 100, when you can get a support them with a couple of handyman to knock out HVACs or plumbing repairs. For some people who are rental property owners, they know you get killed with those third-party plumbing repairs. For us, we take care of that stuff in-house, right? So the guy will, before his first smoke break of the day, would knock out those type of repairs. So that's what our business plan is. And they're scattered throughout the country, but like more clustered in the red states where they're more economically driven, better landlord-friendly laws. We like Phoenix, Texas. Houston, Dallas, and Huntsville, Alabama is our major markets we like to focus in on. And how'd you decide on those markets? Our real estate's not rocket science. It doesn't take a genius to do this type of stuff. You don't need a bunch of PhDs, data analytics. We follow where the population growth is going and the rent increases per year, which is very gatherable data. You could probably Google this at home. And we focus in and um, ingrain ourselves in those markets and uh, build ma- management teams, build broker teams, just dig in and pick those several markets. Other good markets out there like Florida, the Carolinas, Georgia, the general consensus is that Sunbelt states are where it's at in terms of population growth. And of course, you want to be in red states, like I said, as a landlord of there's maybe five or six states that I would pick over the rest of the country. As you said, obviously, this doesn't require rocket science. Anybody can research these areas and that sort of thing. What's holding people back? We know more millionaires are made through real estate than any other method. What's holding people back from getting into this? Yeah, you know, and I think it's hard deals and it makes it incredibly easy for investors to get involved in that. You got to start from the bottom, right? I had money to invest, right? So most people in this world, in this country, are really bad with their money. They spend more money than they make, and they don't make as much money, too. That's part of the problem. For a lot of those folks, I can't help. That was just not in the situation where I was. But there's also a lot of people, definitely my minority people of this country, like maybe the top 1% to 5% who are good with their money, and they make good money and are able to save 30000 plus a year. Most of my clients save fifty, dollars $100,000 a year to put to investments. It seems like a lot, but it's not massive amounts. Of, but that's enough. If you put away that for five to 10 years, you get your net worth over a million dollars. You can go FI pretty quickly doing that. Investing in real estate, investing in little rental properties are a little bit more difficult. And that was where I started my podcast, teaching people how to buy little remote rental properties. Most people live in California. You don't want to invest anywhere near your home because the rent-to-value ratios don't make sense. We look for this one little metric um, called the rent-to-value ratio, 1% or higher. So you take the monthly market uh, rent price, so like $1,000 a month, and you divide it by the the purchase price, say $100,000. We're looking for something that's about 1% or higher. Average place in California in the ghetto, $400,000. You rent that off for 2000 2000 to buy 400 grand. That's half a percent. That's not going to work. That's no bueno. Right? We need that 1%. And that's pop. That's the basic tech behind our investments, man. Like we make a, we, we pay the debt service, we pay the insurance taxes, repairs, pay the property manager to do our dirty work for us, put some money aside for big CapEx stuff and vacancy to happen. And you cash, there's some delta in there and you cash flow and you use that cash flow to add to your annual savings and you 
buy more properties. It's a very simple formula. Great. So if somebody wanted to get set up with your program, what, what does that journey look like coming on board with you? Yeah, a lot of the stuff is kind of free on the website. I think in this world, in the real estate world, there's a lot of just fake people out there just trying to swindle broke people out of pain. And again, my, my program's not for broke people. And I have a big problem of these guys. They, they got these seminars where they like teach people how to increase the credit limit on their credit cards so they can purchase the 20000 40000 yeah. program. Then that kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, I, but I get it, right? Like they're trying to mm-hmm. focus on broke people who like you sell them on hope. Most of my clients, the people who pass a real estate in fours, you have to have money already. So it's a different game, different psychology too. But we just help people get started just investing in that first remote rental property. People are looking to do that. I would say go to simplepassivecash.com slash turnkey. If you're more of an accredited investor, that's where we specialize in, in the more higher net worth wealth building strategy. You know, when your net worth goes over a million dollars, sure, you're investing in syndication deals, et cetera. There's a whole curriculum or so on around that. But from what my experience, it's more about taxes and infinite banking like the nice thing about real estate i don't really particularly like like real estate but real estate is the one thing out there that gives you the tax benefit that allows you if you play your cards right you implement your real estate professional status strategy on your taxes you can drive your income down to zero so i mean people want to check out my tax returns they can go to simplepassacashel.com slash tax i don't pay i haven't paid taxes the last couple of years because of all my real estate investments drive my income down to zero Wow. And that this is what the wealthy does. That's incredible. It's fantastic. Yeah. So somebody come reaches out to you. Let's say we have uh, accredited investors on there. Your program is helping them get started, or you're a partner with them along the way. They're on their own. Everybody's on their own, right? This is not nothing where I hold your hand. You know, the information is out there, right? The podcast is free. A lot of the information on the website, different blog articles are free. I would say just get started with that. Folks listening out, there's really no excuse not to get financially free. It's just the problem is there's just a lot of bad information out there or information out there for other people at different paradigms. You know, we, one of the teachings we, we talk a lot about is it may not make sense to buy your own primary residence. To me, I think it makes sense for most people because a primary residence is forced piggy bank. But you may not need, you may be financially responsible enough to not need this forced piggy bank. And, and you should get on the offense and invest your money instead of just merely going up with the pace of inflation in your house. Kind of an out far out there idea, different clashes with normal um, conventional thinking. But to me, I don't think you should buy a primary residence unless your net worth is two or three times greater than what that house costs, even if you're going to finance the house. And you should finance the house so you can use the money elsewhere. And invest. those are like the things that, what I've learned, I just got lucky doing this. When I in 2015, when I got to a lot of rental property, and I was hot stuff at that time in my late 20s, I started to join different masterminds and got around other high net worth credit investors, other doctors, lawyers, engineers, 10, 20 years down the road of me. And I was like, whoa, they're not investing in their 401ks doing that type of nonsense. So these qualified retirement plans. They're not paying down their debt. They're going into more good debt where their their cash flow numbers keeps going up and up. They're doing infinite banking. They're not paying taxes, not paying too much taxes legally. These are the things that the wealthy do that unfortunately folks like my parents just they just never were attuned to or they thought it was a scam or they, a lot of this is just your network. Your network is your net worth and learning the tactics of the wealth. Yeah, and you brought up a great point. I think learning those techniques from somebody who's done it is is incredibly important and i know a lot of people talk about the importance of a mentor 
the first question is, did, did you have a mentor along the way that led you to where you are? And then is that really what people can expect from you as part of your program? Did I have a mentor? Not really. To me, if somebody is really that rich and what the hell are they going to spend your time with? So do you. But we live in an age where you have YouTube videos, you have written content, you got like my podcast. Like That's the way you get it for free. If somebody is really worth that much at high, high hourly rate with that experience, they're not going to spend it with you, man. But that's where you have to take, follow the breadcrumbs and take action with those things. And that's what I've done, right? I don't really want to take on mentees, right? Like I want to put it out there for free for you to get started. And if you can't get started, that's on you, man. Everything is out there. This stuff is not that hard. It's very implemented. Sure, it clashes with your mindset in the beginning, but there are other people along the road. So what I focus in on is building the, the, the community, right? We, I run a family office upon a mastermind is what I call it for people going from $1 million to $10 million network. Typically, the, the term family office is for $100 million families where they hire a very smart individual, street smart individual to manage their finances and affairs. You're not $100 million net worth. You can't afford that. So in my opinion, and the way I've pieced it together is through a network of other high net worth investors and just working together and swap in best practices. So that's the community that I've created using my podcast as a lightning rod for high net worth investors. Like we always say, you hear of real estate investing, you should go to the local real estate club or the free online sites. But I would highly suggest not doing that if you have a net worth of a million dollars or more, because that's just a bunch of broke guys going out to those free type of stuff. They hear real estate's a great way to get rich. There's really nothing that, that the high net worth um, investor can go and find their, their tribe. And that's why I created the family office group. That makes and sense. On the other on the other end, you can't go to the country club because that's just a you know bunch of trust fund kids and people who got lucky with some C-level jobs and they invest differently. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're the other guy, the guy with the, the high net worth that, that's looking for guidance to invest this money differently. What type of skill set should an individual like this have approaching this? Because you having an, an engineering uh, background, I got to think there's certain skill sets that you've possessed that have helped you along the way with some of the organization and the structure that you have with your business. But then you also seem to have a little bit of a rebellious attitude as well to challenge the norm. Are these correct assumptions about you as well? Yeah, there's a book out there for tendencies, I think by Gretchen Rubin. And one of the tendencies is a questioner. I, I do believe that is a very common trait within our community. You know, we're definitely not the upholder types who like when you're driving home at 2 a.m. in the morning, I don't know why you could drive home at 2 a.m. in the morning. You stop at every stop. We don't do that. We look around. We question, why is the stop sign here? We disregard that stop sign, right? That's just the end. Or like, why do we have to put our money into this 401k, this TSP, this social security thing? And, and that's where it happens. Like the question starts to ask another question. It starts to unwind this whole dogma of financial planning etc. And many of us have peeked behind the other curtain of the Wizard of Oz of finance and realized that there's this red pill way of doing your money, investing in alternative assets where you're getting off the beaten path. But then you mentioned skill sets. 
So to get off the beaten path where you're investing in all these Wall Street type of products, mutual funds, where it's consistent, but you're consistently getting screwed, right? By all the hidden fees, et cetera, where a lot of times these big firms are taking almost half of your money every year. And how else are they paying for these high pay salaries and big buildings, right? They're not doing it for free because they like you. They're doing it for profit. And that's, that's why they created the 401k and et cetera. They got in cahoots with the government to get at the common man's. But I digress there. I'm pretty passionate about this stuff. <laughs> like that, that, that's where like the average guy can come back and get off the beaten path, get out of that cafeteria garb. But to, to do that, you're going to need like people around you. Because there are shysters when you get off the beaten path. There are people that, you know, do what we do and they just are just internet shysters. They fake it till they make it. They don't have any assets under management. They just, they're just a guy with a green screen. That's real estate. Brown, brown, blue pants, nice headshot. That's all it is. And that's why I say like, and, and for myself included, right, to get off this beaten path and Go into the world of alternative investments. You need to find a tribe around you that also do, does this. However, it's incredibly hard to find these types of people because when I first started to, I was investing out of state, never saw my properties. I thought it was crazy. My friends thought it was crazy. So I don't really talk about that until I found that there were lots of people doing this stuff quietly. It's X-Men, right? Like, hey, you're X-Men? It's the same thing. So when you finally meet these people, it's like, whoa, I'm not crazy anymore. And then things really get moving. Like I said, I, I started buying little rental properties from 09 to 2015, and it moved like a turtle space. That's part of wealth building too. Like it's just slow in the big. But until I met other people doing this, building synergies, found out where to invest, more important who to stay away from, that was when my network started to skyrocket. Absolutely. Some of the skill sets you talked about was is obviously challenging the norm, but one of the things that I've noticed from a lot of successful entrepreneurs is almost an arrogant level of confidence because you're going in new directions that other people haven't gone before and you're challenging the norm and you're forging your own way and you're making mistakes and you're learning things, but they're all decisions that are based on your back. Have you encountered some mistakes that you've made along the way and and would you mind sharing any of them with us and how'd you get through them and what'd you learn yeah i'm glad you asked that i am cocky in this respect because we don't really make that much mistakes because we're not really doing a high in the sky business plan out there we're buying properties that cash flow day one just in case there's something there's a hiccup in the car and like we've been through like bad times like the pandemic i didn't know what was going to happen i didn't know if people were going to pay their rents but you know what damn it we, like especially when we focus on lower class Lower middle class America, right? Rents between seven hundred dollars to fourteen hundred dollars. We don't go to the high end luxury stuff. We don't go to the low end stuff. We stay in that middle class America where the glut of the population is, where in fact there's a huge demand for good quality housing. Which right? we're not no slumlords either, and people need a place to live. And when you underwrite the deals to be bulletproof, and a lot of times in our properties. We don't lose money unless the property goes like under 50, 60% occupancy. That's not going to happen. When you buy in good areas and good properties, especially on the on in emerging markets, that's just not going to happen. If that happens, like we're talking like zombie apocalypse, maybe. But we've been through that. We've weathered the storm. We're like we're not flipping houses. We're not wholesaling houses. This is not a exciting type of way of investing. It's very boring. Very boring. When we rehab units, we don't 
putting in maybe like $5,000 of rehab to bump up the rents a couple hundred bucks. New floor, new appliances, new paint job. That's it. That's from the grand scheme of things. That's why I can pretty say pretty confidently, like we haven't made too many mistakes because we don't really get out in front of our skis too much. But overall, as when I've invested, yeah, I've invested with some bad people in the past, got my money taken a couple times. And I contribute that to, that's why you build your network again. You never know about people until you have somebody on the inside that can attest. Yeah, I invested with Bob's legit. He gave me my money back. Not like just a Ponzi scheme type of thing, but yeah, here are the P&Ls, here are the monthly reports on this property. You can actually go there and see it, touch it. And you build relationships with other accredited investors, just like yourself. And that way it's unbiased sources. You do it that way. And going back to your skill sets, this is the difference between more of this type of investing as opposed to when you're starting out. You're starting out, you're doing all this like pain in the butt stuff, like talking to brokers, lenders, property managers, handyman. You're doing everything, which eh, I think it's somewhat transferable. But like in this world, it's more like you're smoozing other peer colleagues, passive investors. It's very different. For some people who are not friendly with others, like, it's impossible, but I think most people in, especially in my group, or once you become a credit investor, you're on the road, the path to financial freedom, or you are financially free, people are pretty friendly. And especially for people also when they recognize you're also on that same journey that they were one. People like to give back and help out. After all, there's no competitive like thing against passive investors. There's not, Ooh, you're going to take the deal. No, man, there's a lot of deals out there. Um, especially when you invest in syndications, it's not like there's a super limited supply. People like to help out each other because they know they're also going to get back in information and relationships. For me, it's a more about relationships these days because if I don't have people to hang out with during my the lunch hour, where all my other ex-colleagues and friends are stuck at work, how are you going to enjoy this stuff? People understand us, right, too. Like we do all this weird financial stuff. A lot of it's just social, too. You bring up a good point. I think a lot of people have this idea that successful people have compromised values or their their hard nose taking advantage of people and that sort of thing. And most of the people that I know that are successful are actually fairly generous people who, when you have your time freed up, you can give back to others and, and you have a weight lifted off your, your shoulders when you don't have the, the burden of financial stress. Yeah. Like we can dig into that a little bit because, you know, I'm, these days, like when I interact with people, what I'm trying to do is, do I want to have this person in my social circle long term, or at least give them a tryout for the second tryout? What I'm trying to determine, is this a giver or taker? I think there's a book on that I read. It's not to say that you're a bad person, right? If you're a taker person, but a lot of people, especially even high net worth people, they can be at a stage in life where they're looking out for themselves. They're looking for such information to help their investing. They want to know who to stay away from. They want to know who to invest with, those types of things. And I get it. You need to put your money somewhere so you can get financially free. But at some point, turn the corner. And I, I think everybody needs to go out and make their money and invest it and get financially free. And I call that putting your own oxygen mask on, right? In the plane, they say, before you help your, your kid or the elderly, put your own oxygen mask first so we don't, you don't pass out and become part of the problem. And that's where you go from abundance mindset to scarcity mindset or scarcity mindset to abundance mindset. And if, if you're in scarcity mindset now, it's not to say you're a bad person, right? That's just maybe the stage you are 
not in life or age that has nothing to do with it to me it's more where you are in terms of net worth or your money your money mindset of like to me i got over i went from that stage where i had my oxygen mask on pretty early like i got lucky and invest started investing in my early 20s um started to get a point where i had a bunch of cash flow rolling in my net worth was not high yet by any means maybe half a million dollars i think was when this started to happen but i started to realize yeah i'm not going to be working at this stupid day job this engineering job i don't like mid 40s maybe even by 40 i, I don't know at that time i didn't know but i knew like the paradigm of working 20 years plus was just not going to it's just not needed for me and it's numbers i had numbers to back this up So I went off on this like kind of tangent and I think this is the hard thing like everybody needs to go through this like epiphany where and it takes a while like it took me like to my own torn but like it took me pretty it was pretty quick for me to get to this transition where I'm like all right I'm go to work and my you know my boss gives me a hard time f you man I'm out, I'm going to be out of here soon I don't need to be here I can enjoy myself a little bit <laughs> take things a little yeah. more lightly and then I I start to realize all right and when I'm like 35 at the time I'll be financially free and I do whatever I want. And and then I may be able to like role play in my head what that feels like. I'm gonna travel, take pictures of my food, put it on Instagram, all the stupid stuff. That I get it. I wanted to do it one time and many people may want to do it today and it's a phase. But after a while in my little simulation my head it gets lame and boring. I don't know, it's just you need a ch- people who are drivers challenges solve puzzles part of the, me too is call me like a big ego guy but i want impact too right like i want to leave something or see something when i'm 50 or 60 and say yeah i did that that was yeah, so for me yeah so for me that was where the podcast started to come in i started in 2016 like a lot of my friends were asking me like how you find this property in birmingham you don't even visit it man and i tell them and many people are entrepreneurs here we tell our friends about entrepreneurship and nobody listens so you guys understand that and it you know it frustrated me so it's like damn it i'm just going to record this stupid thing for all you suckers all my friends other people start listening to it and then a year later we get those emails saying hey man like you didn't seem that smart i did it and yeah thanks man i bought a rental property and then and that was where i got more i was like i got the feed positive feedback i was like oh shit man i'm making a difference here yeah. and then you know i became over credit investor invested that with private placements and syndications the, the storyline changed for buying little rentals this you know bigger deals but the audience kind of grew and grew and then i was making this big impact or so i thought that's all that really matters what you think but then i saw it as my calling and you're put on this earth for one thing like it'd be silly for me to go to a habitat for humanity built houses that this is where i get the most leverage in society can make the biggest difference so i think and that kind of coincided with that whole simulation in my head it's like what the hell am i going to do when i'm 40 it's just it's just all your life doesn't start until you stop trading time for dollars right sometimes i have to go in like i work from home too if you're saying i see my family too much you know I got to get out of here sometimes. I go on like a little like excursion. I got to go pick something up and I see all the driving through town and I see all the people walk into the bus and I was there at one time. It's just a little drones going through your life in the matrix sleeping. You're not doing anything. And yeah, you you've had little moments here or there, but you're just, essentially you're, you're there to trade time for money to build somebody else's dream. And I get I'm not going to belittle people for thinking that's a meager existence blah 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 and I get it like to me it's not many people out there in the world get to a point in their life where they go financially free 
FI, wait less. And when I wait less is like your investments make more money than you do and your spouse does. And even if you got your kid working alongside you too, and you can't even spend it all. And it, that, that the thing just compounds and compounds. That's what weightlessness, or we call it escape velocity. And it typically takes most of the clients maybe five to 10 years to get there once they start working with. But at that point, they're going and they're, they're, they're building that family legacy. And the hardest part is teaching the kids how to not be nincompoops, but that's another topic for another day. Like at this point, it's all about, you don't have, you're out of this paradigm that most people are where they have to trick themselves into liking their passion, which is their work. Like, I see through that these days and not, again, not to belittle people who think that way, but there's a lot of people out there that are getting to this weightlessness mode and they need to go through this simulation or live it. Maybe some people may take them a decade of kind of just floating there, but then there's always something else. And that's when you, your life kind of starts. You stop trading your time for money. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of people actually realize this, I think during the pandemic, because the pandemic threw everyone, you know, through this wrench in everyone's plans and all of a sudden these people are working from home or they're at home and they're getting uh, compensated and they're realizing suddenly they're pulled out of that matrix, that thing that they were stuck doing and they're going, oh my God, what have I been doing the last 20 years or whatever? Yeah, I've been just doing this thing I've always been trained to do. My parents were always trained to do. Their parents were trained to do. And it's nonsense. And People are giving up things in their life because they would rather not have the Starbucks or have a nice car or go do these other things, vacations and stuff, than spend another day stuck working and living a life that they, that they don't want to live. And that's why a lot of these jobs are having trouble recruiting people is because they don't want to go back to it. Yeah, they're like, screw you. And the job market is kind of the way it is. It's like it to the, the worker, but... The other sad part of that is most people just freaking stayed up to 2 a.m. watching YouTube videos because they don't have to commute earlier in the morning. Like, it's your time. You can use it however you want. But they're very similar to a lot of people, you know, in my world, go to college, right? It's like when you go to college the first time, away from your family, parents, rules. Like, the wor world is your oyster. For many people, that is the last time you get that moment. And you get your, your college syllabus and then you're screwed. You have all these responsibilities and you go right into a job. But that is what it feels like to go financially free when you actually quit your job and you're, what the heck do I do? We have a guy, he's, he's quitting, he's working for me uh, full time. He's quitting his engineering job. And he's asking me like next week, what do you want me to do? I'm like, it's a holiday. <laughs> yeah, Monday's up. I'm like, oh, dude, I don't even know what the holidays are, right? All the time, but just, okay. Coming in on Tuesday. What do I do? Uh, I don't know, man. You fill up your time. I follow this thing called Entrepreneur Operating System EOS. And there's this word, term called rocks. You work on projects or rocks. And I'm like, I don't know. Go pick a rock and work on it. And I don't know. When you're off time, go work on your own personal rocks. That's That was my guidance. And, and But I, I get it, right? Like I was there not too long ago where you had to report. The only time sometimes you can get away is when you have like a doctor's appointment. You can get out and go do a little bit of personal stuff on the side there too. But other than that, you go right back into the matrix, back to your, your spot. Yep. Yeah. And I get it. It's if for me, leaving the corporate structure and the safety, it's almost like driving without your seatbelt on. It doesn't feel right. And I remember like telling employees and I was telling my wife, like what I'm doing today. Oh, I was doing this and I did this. And I'm like trying to prove that I was doing stuff during the day and nobody cared what I was doing. 
And then over time, you start realizing that I don't have to clock in. I don't have to prove what I'm doing on a day. None of that stuff matters, right? Yeah, it's very liberating. And it kind of makes you like, damn man, I operated like that for so long. It's like different topic, but it, it's people who stop caring what other people think about themselves because they have that epiphany that people are more concerned about their own than worry about yours. Yeah, you know? Nobody cares after a while. So it's very liberating, very similar epiphany. Absolutely. But so like my big aha moment, I, I went to like Tony Robbins thing and he's always on, he's kind of like, he has this thing, like the six needs, I think, like kind of operates very similar to Maslow's hierarchy of need. You know, on the bottom, you've got like basic stuff. I can't remember. You like just need the basic, like yeah. Like you want to have comfort, stability. You want to be loved by other people. But on the top part, the more aspirational things that you get that, Self-accusation, stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, and giving back and contribution is a big one. I mean, you look at all the, the very high network people who are doing other philanthropy things. It's always to give back, but in their own certain way. And the other thing is significance, too, that you want to have give it back in your own way on your term. So that was where, to me, I was like, I think I was in my, like, early 30s and I was kind of like all right I still want to have a Ferrari I still do things like that and the big house I haven't gotten totally like off the deep end I still have those type of needs and I have my idea for like right lifestyle but I kind of know that it's going to get old I kind of got latched onto this idea because like simple passive castle had already gotten pretty good momentum at that point i get it if it was just a pie in the sky idea like how everybody all the other three thousand participants in that state had just an idea everybody's got an idea but i had a idea that actually had traction and we we're somewhat making money like we had this concept of ikigai right where you're something you enjoy doing you're good at it kind of god-given talent and the debt there's a need in society there's obviously a need there's so many like hard-working professionals out there just misled by all this like crap out there financial planners all this and then i could monetize the damn thing too right like it's incredibly valuable to collect all these types of people into one place high net worth accredited investors into one place and to do these kind of bigger projects to me it was like guy on steroids that that was where you always want to find that direction head into direction and that's i guess what life is maybe sure every if you're not heading into the direction there's really no point to this whole thing Fantastic. Thank you for your time today. Tell us how, how do people get a hold of you? Yeah, they check out the podcast, simplepassivecashflow.com is the URL. And then Simple Passive Cashflow, Passive Real Estate Investing on iTunes, Google Play, etc. Thank you for your time, Lane. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.